Section One of Phaedrus by Plato. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Giessen. Phaedrus by Plato. Translated by Benjamin Jowett. Section One persons of the dialogue socrates phaedrus scene under a plane tree by the banks of the ilissus my dear phaedrus whence come you and whither are you going i come from lysias the son of cephalus and i am going to take a walk outside the wall for i have been sitting with him the whole morning and our common friend acumenus tells me that it is much more refreshing to walk in the open air than to be shut up in a cloister there he is right lucius then i suppose was in the town yes he was staying with epicrates here at the house of Moricus that house which is near the temple of olympian zeus ah, and how did he entertain you can i be wrong in supposing that lysias gave you a feast of discourse you shall hear if you can spare time to accompany me oh, and should i not deem the conversation of you and lysias a thing of higher import as i may say in the words of pindar than any business <laughs> will you go on and will you go on with the narration my tale socrates is one of your sort for love was the theme which occupied us love after a fashion lysias has been writing about a fair youth who was being tempted but not by a lover and this was the point he ingeniously proved that the non-lover should be accepted rather than the lover <laughs> oh that is noble of him i wish that he would say the poor man rather than the rich and the old man rather than the young one then he would meet the case of me and many a man his words would be quite refreshing and he would be a public benefactor for my part i do so long to hear his speech that if you walk all the way to megara and when you have reached the wall come back as herodicus recommends without going in i will keep you company what do you mean my good socrates how can you imagine that my unpractised memory can do justice to such an elaborate work which the greatest rhetorician of the age spent a long time in composing indeed i cannot i would give a great deal if i could <laughs> i believe that i know phaedrus about as well as i know myself 
and i am very sure that the speech of lucius was repeated to him not once only but again and again he insisted on hearing it many times over and lucius was very willing to gratify him at last when nothing else would do he got hold of the book and looked at what he most wanted to see this occupied him during the whole morning and then when he was tired with sitting he went out to take a walk not until by the dog as i believe he had simply learned by heart the entire discourse unless it was unusually long and he went to a place outside the wall that he might practise his lesson there he saw a certain lover of discourse who had a similar weakness he saw and rejoiced now thought he i shall have a partner in my revels and he invited him to come and walk with him but when the lover of discourse begged that he would repeat the tale he gave himself airs and said no i cannot as if he were indisposed although if the hearer had refused he would sooner or later have been compelled by him to listen whether he would or no therefore phaedrus bid him do at once what he soon will do whether bidden or not i see that you will not let me off until i speak in some fashion or other verily therefore my best plan is to speak as i best can <laughs> a very true remark that of yours i will do as i say but believe me socrates i did not learn the very words no nevertheless i have a general notion of what he said and will give you a summary of the points in which the lover differed from the non-lover let me begin at the beginning mm, yes my sweet one but you must first of all show what you have in your left hand under your cloak for that role as i suspect is the actual discourse now much as i love you i would not have you suppose that i am going to have your memory exercised at my expense if you have lucius himself here <laughs> enough i see that i have no hope of practising my art upon you but if i am to read where would you please to sit hmm. let us turn aside and go by the ilissus we will sit down at some quiet spot i am fortunate in not having my sandals and as you never have any i think that we may go along the brook and cool our feet in the water this will be the easiest way and at midday and in the summer is far from being unpleasant 
lead on and look out for a place in which we can sit down do you see the tallest plane tree in the distance yes there are shade and gentle breezes and grass on which we may either sit or lie down move forward i should like to know socrates whether the place is not somewhere here at which boreas is said to have carried off orithea from the banks of the ilissus such is the tradition and is this the exact spot the little stream is delightfully clear and bright i can fancy that there might be maidens playing near i believe that the spot is not exactly here but about a quarter of a mile lower down where you cross to the temple of artemis and there is i think some sort of an altar of boreas at the place ah i have never noticed it but i beseech you to tell me socrates do you believe this tale the wise are doubtful and i should not be singular if like them i too doubted i might have a rational explanation that orithea was playing with pharmacia when a northern gust carried her over the neighbouring rocks and this being the manner of her death she was said to have been carried away by boreas there is a discrepancy however about the locality according to another version of the story she was taken from areopagus and not from this place <laughs> now i quite acknowledge that these allegories are very nice but he is not to be envied who has to invent them much labour and ingenuity will be required of him and when he has once begun he must go on and rehabilitate hippocentaurs and chimeras dire gorgons and winged steeds flow in apace and numberless other inconceivable and portentous natures and if he is sceptical about them and would fain reduce them one after another to the rules of probability this sort of crude philosophy will take up a great deal of time now i have no leisure for such inquiries shall i tell you why i must first know myself as the delphian inscription says to be curious about that which is not my concern while i am still in ignorance of my own self would be ridiculous and therefore i bid farewell to all this the common opinion is enough for me for as i was saying i want to know not about this but about myself am i a monster more complicated and swollen with passion than the serpent tifo or a creature of a gentler and simpler sort to whom nature has given a diviner and lowlier destiny 
but let me ask you friend have we not reached the plane tree to which you were conducting us yes this is the tree by here a fair resting-place full of summer sounds and scents here is this lofty and spreading plane-tree and the agnus castus high and clustering in the fullest blossom and the greatest fragrance and the stream which flows beneath the plane-tree is deliciously cold to the feet judging from the ornaments and images this must be a spot sacred to achelous and the nymphs oh how delightful is the breeze so very sweet and there is a sound in the air shrill and summer-like which makes answer to the chorus of the cicadae but the greatest charm of all is the grass like a pillow gently sloping to the head my dear phaedrus you have been an admirable guide end of section one recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey